Hello, it's Paul Scott here, UK small caps investor, commentator and writer of the Small Cap Value Reports on Stockopedia with Graham Neary and occasional help from Roland Head. So what is it today? It's Saturday the 20th of January 2024. I'm sitting here admiring a beautiful view in the lovely island, my favourite island of them all, Gozo, off the coast of Malta. A uh, small, um, rustic island uh, that I come to every now and again. Brought my two Chromebooks with me. The new one, actually, it's a Lenovo Chromebook. Cost two nine nine. It's absolutely brilliant. I love Chromebooks. If you don't need any sort of Windows-based applications or anything complicated, then I think Chromebooks are just brilliant. Eight-hour battery life, start up instantly. They don't slow down. Uh, this new one, the Lenovo one, so quick. I think it's eight, eight gigabytes ram or something it's brilliant anyway so i've been out here working absolutely mad week so i just stay in airbnbs and um basically just work and then go out uh, for a walk or a cycle in the afternoon it's lovely flights are only 99 quid on ryanair from bournemouth couldn't be better anyway unbelievable deluge of results so i'll just get straight into those and talk a bit about the markets generally and some macro points uh, if there's time at the end which probably won't be or in a separate podcast Uh, if I have the urge to do one. Right, so looking at Monday, this 15th of January 2024, this was a fairly uh, normal day in terms of news output. We were hit by the the tsunami of news, I think, on Tuesday and Wednesday. So what did I look at? Graham and I looked at six companies. IQGO, uh, the ticket is IQG. This is a niche software company. Very, very interesting company, actually. I just see there's a typo on the market cap, so I'll have to correct that. Um, let me make a note of that. Trading update was ahead of expectations. Uh, this is for, obviously, we're looking at December year-end um, trading updates at the moment. Now, the outlook comments on IQGO look very interesting too. It does uh, a niche software that enables um, utilities companies to track where all their pipes and cables are. And they use the same software throughout the utility company. It seems to... I'm really impressed by this company. I had some accounting queries on it, um, but the uh, one of the advisors very kindly uh, put, gave me a call with management where we resolved those issues satisfactorily. Uh, I've said here I'm very much warming to this company. It's a high-growth niche software company. As you know, <coughs> Excuse me, they tend to be valued very highly. It is expensive on a PE basis, but I've said here... I think PE is a a clumsy measure for rapid growth companies. Um, I do think it looks very good, IQGO. It's a shame, as I almost bought some when it spiked down. It lost about a third of its value last autumn on a weird spike down, and I almost bought some, but I didn't, and it's gone all the way back up again. So that, I think, is a very good sign, particularly in a market where people are nervous. If you have a share that spikes down, then the buyers steam in and take it all the way back up again. That's bullish, I think, in terms of market dynamics. So uh, I've said here, though, your risk, obviously, if you pay up for a high valuation company like IQGO, your risk is if the growth stalls, then it's a long way down from a high rating. But I'm increasingly thinking here it's a risk worth taking with IQGO, so I wouldn't try and talk anyone out of that one. But as always, you know, you do the re- you do the detailed research. We're just doing the quick reviews, not giving advice. So anyway, because it's very highly valued, I I, I view IQGO as amber green. So in other words, that's moderately positive. So I like the company, but I think it's a little bit pricey. 
but it may well be worth the high price. Next, Graham looked to Ashmore. This is quite big for us, 1.6 billion market cap. You've probably noticed we're delving more and more into mid-caps now, which, uh, if anything's interesting, if it's a bit over our usual 1 billion limit, we, we cover it anyway. Uh, Graham's just amber on that one. Oh, that's a fund manager, emerging markets fund manager. We generally really like the fund manager sector at the moment. We think there are lots of opportunities, value opportunities in that area as, you know, the fund outflows maybe start to to wane or even maybe may even turn around to inflows in 2024 if the big indices carry on uh, doing well. What did I look at? Oh, profit warning from Crest Nicholson, CRST. This is one of my favourite house builders, a smaller one, 528 million market cap. Um, (coughs) Favourite as in on valuation grounds. It's at a huge discount to NAV. But the trouble is it's a bit accident prone and it's a mild profit warning due to uh, legacy problems and costs. So I've said here, yeah, it is a bit a bit, a bit accident-prone, which could be why the market gives it a large discount to net tangible asset value. Um, I wonder if it might attract a bidder. So I'm green on fundamentals, but we've put the black profit warning flag against it. Remember, the profit warning flag is not our opinion. It's just us flagging to you. There's been a profit warning here. So you can see on my colour-coded spreadsheet at a glance which companies have put out the profit warnings. But I actually like it. I think it's good value at £2.06, Chris Nicholson. Uh, what was this? Ra- Graham looked at Ramsden's RFX. This is, well, it's actually... Um, it's a pawnbroker, but, but but I think a lot of its profits, as the name su- the ticker suggests, comes from foreign exchange. I don't like these these companies um, offering uncompetitive rates on foreign exchange, so I wouldn't touch it myself. But Graham had a good chat with the CEO and thinks uh, Graham likes it. He thinks it's quite good. Um, <clears throat> it dropped five percent on a muted Q1 trading update. Graham saying. Now, I looked, uh, just a sh- brief comment on Bakavor, B-A-K-K. This is a large UK-based um, manufacturer of ready meals. It rose 4% on a 20% shareholding that changed hands. Uh, so I just made a brief comment on that. But because of the weak balance sheet, I'm amber-red on Bakavor, which is moderately negative. I'm just flagging risk. Red, remember, is where we flag up companies that are... I've got financial problems of some kind. So amber red on back of all means that I, I'm concerned it has too much debt, but I don't think it's a sort of existential crisis. Oh, back of all is also low margin, but I'll come on to that because I, I covered it in more detail on Friday. So that was Monday 15th of January. Oh, just one we didn't cover was Hercules uh, Site Services, H-E-R-C. This is only about 15 million market cap, <clears throat> a staffing and equipment company. I did have a look at it last night, actually, and uh, it only makes about 600 grand profit before tax. So I can't see anything worth bothering with there, I'm afraid. Oh, actually, just going back to Ramsden's, I see the readers are discussing it quite a bit in, in foreign exchange generally in Monday's report. I've recently tried out Revolut. I had to pay, um, I'm obviously out in Malta, I paid for, paid for my Airbnb on Revolut and it gave me the, pretty much the market spot rate on, on pound euro. Um, which was about one one sixteen, I think. And I noticed that my cash point withdrawal through Barclays the next day, they gave me a rate of one pound one euro twelve. So Barclays are basically skimming off almost four percent from every transaction. And if you use Revolut, they don't skim off anything. So I think that surely is going to be a big impediment for um, companies like Ramsden's that make um, 
you know, I think charge uncompetitive foreign exchange rates to a captive audience. Uh, but as the reader said, you know, not everywhere takes cards, even in quite developed countries, quite often uh, some transactions they do want cash, um, which is a good point, isn't it? But <clears throat> I, I think it's so easy to order cash uh, over the internet and have it delivered to you the next day. I'm really surprised that anybody uses these rip-off Forex services anymore. They're just being fleeced. Oh, I should also flag there was some reader discussion of Filtronic FTC, a company that I've never been... I've followed for many, many years, and it's never impressed in the past. It has short bursts of activity on new product launches, um, and then the products seem to have a short uh, lifespan, so I don't think much of Filtronic. But several readers are actually saying that it's got some very good IP now on some new products, and we should um, take a fresh look at it. So just passing on that one to you. Right, on to Tuesday's report, 16th of January. Now, you might have noticed one of the innovations I've brought in, only a small thing really, but I think it's useful in the small cap value reports, is that I'm now putting the agenda in a table format, which we're up, which I'm updating numerous times throughout the day. So we're putting in very brief comments in there for things that we're not covering. So if something's in line, we'll just put a, a note there saying it's in line with expectations and we probably... And we all also put in the day's big risers and fallers, and that's what directs our... Uh, are doing our writing of the more of the bigger sections. We're looking at companies that are outperforming, or profit warnings, or anything that just looks really cheap or, or, or very encouraging. So um, there were several brief comments here. I looked at THG, formerly the Huck Group, 1.2 billion. I had a look at the Q4 trading update. It's in line, but I've said here, and the shares went up 7% to 72p. But I've said here, I remain highly sceptical. The accounts on THG, I think, are dreadful. I cannot understand why the valuation is anywhere near where it is. So anyway, Gamma Communications, that's another one, slightly over a billion market cap, G-A-M-A. Um, that was in line. I had a quick look at the figure, uh, the trading update, and I think it looks quite good uh, on valuation terms. So Gamma Communications, that's just an idea to throw at you to, to follow up on. What else didn't we look at? Oh, IQE, 188 million pound semiconductor materials manufacturer. It put out an inline trading update, but it's only 3 million EBITDA. And given that it's CapEx, uh, very capital intensive, that means a real world loss. It's just not of any interest to me. I've followed IQE for years. Serial disappointer. I just don't think it's a very good business. So we didn't cover that, but it went up 8%. Uh, Eagle Eye came out with an inline update. I've got a very small position in this, a sort of placeholder position. I think it's very, very good, Eagle Eye, EYE, £167 million market cap. It does, um, it does loyalty, electronic loyalty schemes, bespoke ones for global retailers, and it's got a fantastic client list. It's pricey, but it has now moved into profit. I'm hoping to interview the CEO uh, at some stage when I'm back in the UK. I want to get some CEO interviews going. Um, and I, So I like Eagle Eye, but I don't really know how to value it. DP Poland, um, the Domino's Pizza franchise business in Poland, serial disappointer, terrible track record, never made a profit. But some quite shrewd people are telling me I should take a fresh look at this with fresh eyes because apparently it is now finally turning the corner. It put out a trading update that's in line with expectations. It's valued at 76 million, which for a loss-making cash-burning business I think is a, is a lot, a hell of a lot. Um, but, I mean, it is showing improving KPIs, but it's still only profitable at the EBITDA level. Uh, uh, you know, it doesn't, it, even now, after, I think, what, the light for lights, were they up 20% or something? They were, it was a strong rise, anyway. But it's still not making a real profit. 
So I remain sceptical on that, but it does look like it's moving in the right direction at long last. Finally, how small we didn't cover. That dropped 4%. This is the TGI Fridays, obviously restaurant business. Very, very disappointing float. Uh, But, you know, it floated before the energy crisis and the consumer spending squeeze. And we know restaurants are on 75% gross margins, so they get hit the hardest in in a downturn on a leveraged basis. Now, it trumpeted flat like for likes, which is not very good, really. Uh, the main, I mean, there are signs of life there. They've done a deep um, cost restructuring under new management. The old management were no good. The new ones seem better. <clears throat> but they haven't refinanced the bank debt yet. So unless and until it refinances the bank debt, for me personally, Hostmore is too high risk. I'd rather pay a bit more for it once it's uh, got its bank debt refinance. Because, of course... You know, it would have been done by now if the banks were happy to lend to it, I think. So I, that to me, that means there's a significant risk of um, an emergency um, placing to raise some fresh equity, which the bank might, or a different bank might insist on, to sit alongside the bank debt. You just don't know. There's too much of an uncertainty for me, and I don't think it's a very good format either, TGIs. <clears throat> to be completely honest. So we didn't go into any more detail on that. I'm watching and waiting on that. I might go back in if it um, if it refinances successfully. Other bits and pieces, North Coders, C-O-D-E. This rose 19% on a big contract win, a £10 million government contract win. It does IT training um, <clears throat> in the north of England. Um, I've always thought it was a previous disappointment. It never really looked big enough or worthwhile to float. But this is a material contract, a 10 million contract win. So um, that one might be uh, an interesting one. To, North Coders might be one to have a fresh look at. And finally, DP Eurasia, NV. The ticket is DPEU. This is another Domino's Pizza operation, but in Turkey. Now, this has had... Um, uh, a, a, a recommended bid for it, which has been raised again. Uh, there's now a final offer. I think it's at £1.10. So uh, that's... Um, I don't know whether it's good or bad. I haven't really looked at it, but I just flagged that. Now, on to the actual companies. Oh, dear, I dropped an absolute clangor here. I thought the interim results out from Cohort, CHRT, which I've got a position in, I thought they were freshly out, but they weren't. It was just the sort of statutory announcement of interims that had been released, I think, in, in December oh dear 13th of December so I got up at 5am spent two hours writing a section on it it turns out I'd I'd already covered it on the 13th of December so oh dear oh dear one of the readers quit that's the that shows the dangers of dry January (laughs) I thought that was hilarious so yeah I don't drink any alcohol in January so my output is usually uh, uh, better than any any other time of year but unfortunately I um I misfired on Tuesday by covering a stock that I didn't need to. Anyway, now this is more interesting. Card Factory, C-A-R-D, the the value retailer of cards and associated gifts. Now, I've I've said here, very strange fall in share price. It dropped 8% to a pound. I think it went lower than that, didn't it? Didn't it bottom around around 93p or something? It's 342 million market cap. Now, the trading update was at the top end of the analyst range. So it was a positive trading update, but the shares dropped sharply. Very odd. And we've actually seen that this week from a number of other shares, which is telling you, isn't it, people are in sort of profit-taking mode. You know, the market needs to pause for a breather, and it has done. Um, you know, and, and really, shares that have done well, it's only really a, a significant outperformance that takes them any higher. So I think uh, that that that's not lost on, on investors, and I think we have... 
this week has been characterised by uh, people taking a bit of money off the off the table. No harm in a bit of profit taking, in a bit of top slicing. Um, <clears throat> although I think maybe the moment for that has passed now, and um, some of these things are finding support again. It's all natural and normal. That's how markets work. You had a crazy uh, frenzy of buying activity in November and December, and I think a lot of things overshot on the upside. They're now retracing a bit. All normal, all healthy. Anyway, <clears throat> I've said here, the numbers look smashing to me for Card Factory. I think it's usefully underpriced. Mind you, the Uber bull on it, Cockney Rebel, has uh, turned cautious, which really surprised me, actually. But he's basically saying that he thinks it's lost momentum now. It was delivering repeated ahead of expectations updates, <clears throat> and, and which it kind of did this week, but only very, very slightly, top end of the range. So I think he just feels it's losing momentum, which is a perfectly valid point of view. And I think it's good when people actually, who've been kind of the, the house bull on a share, do actually turn around and say, well, I've decided to bank my profits because of this, this and this. They don't have to tell us that, but I think it's good good practice to do so. So, um, you know, shares are for buying and for selling. You know, you don't have to get emotionally attached to any share. You know, there's no, just, the only crossing a line is if you're saying positive things on the internet whilst selling. That crosses a line. But that's not the case here. Um, so, all good. I, I like Card Factory. I mean, below a pound, I think I'm more inclined to increase my position than, than reduce it. I very nearly did buy some, actually, on Tuesday, but I couldn't find anything I wanted to sell. Uh, so, yeah, I still like Card Factory, so I'm green on it. Um, <clears throat> what else have we got? Equals. Graham looked at this one, the payments provider thing. Uh, Graham's amber on that. It dropped slightly, 3.5%. We both think it's a bit peculiar that it's trying to sell itself whilst simultaneously telling us that everything's great. Uh, that doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, now I looked at McBride. This has been a fantastic trade. Well done to the people who spotted the opportunity on McBride. Uh, personal products, um, creams and shampoos, all those sort of cleaning products, all those sorts of things. Now, it dropped 10% on a trading update to ATP, which I thought was quite a good update. But again, it's done so well. The shares of something like four bagged from the low point last year when it looked like it was going to go bust. Um, it's still got way too much debt, but it's not at dangerous levels anymore because profitability has gone through the roof. Um, remarkable series of upgrades in 2023. I wouldn't bank on those profits increasing further or holding, though. I think I did read somewhere there are two different views on McBride. One is that they're just making kind of one off bumper profits because they locked in higher prices from the customers for a year, but the but the, the raw materials prices have fallen. So that gives them a one-off gain, which the, the supermarket customers will then squeeze out of them at the next contract negotiations. I think I'm probably leaning towards that. That makes sense. And if you look at the history of the company over a long period of time, the margins are way for thin. So I'm not, I, I think it's too late to get involved in McBride. Um, it was too risky for me, but well done to the people who spotted the trade there. It was a great trade. And I think ATP, it's up with events now. What else? Ken Holmes, Graham looked at this one. I don't know anything about it. That's uh, an Irish house builder. Right, Wednesday's report, 17th of Jan. This was crazy. We covered, a, well, the, uh, 24 companies were reporting. We couldn't cover them all, obviously. So we did some quite short snippets on some. I noted that Oxford Biodynamics, OBD, put its results out. It went down 23%. Interesting company, interesting technology. Um, but negligible revenues, 10 million operating loss, and only 5 million cash left. That was at September. 
um, it's going to need to do another placing, isn't it? Uh, and it won't have Crispin O'Day there to underpin it like he did with the last one at a premium price. So I think until it's raised more cash, OBD is not of any interest to me. Although I do uh, think it could be interesting after it's refinanced. It's no good, this business of doing repeat fundraisers. You've got to fund these things properly. It's you know Coming back to the market when the, when the funding window slammed shut is ruinous for the share price. And yet the city keeps making this mistake over and over and over again. Floating blue sky cash burning companies with nowhere near enough cash. It's crazy. They've got to stop doing it. No wonder the IPO market's dead. Sorry, I'm a broken record on this, but it is infuriating. Now, a couple of backlog items I did first thing before 7am. Spirant Communications, SPT, uh, rose 11% on Monday, so I circled back to it. Uh, trading update, uh, it had a terrible 2023. Uh, years of, of strong profitable growth, um, profit growth rather, uh, just collapsed. I mean, Spirant, I always thought of as a high you know, a high quality mid cap, it's still worth 741 million now. Um, it's paying us a visit into our small cap um, range of between 10 million and, and a billion. Um, but I like the upbeat comments, the outlook comments um, from Spirant. Um, I think a turnaround here could be starting. It's got loads of cash, it's used some of the cash to reduce the share count with buybacks. I don't really know anything much about the company or the industry, but I'm just flagging to you. Have a look at Spirant, SPT, and let me know what you think. I put marked it amber, but I think it's a potential turnaround, um, and it doesn't have to worry about its financial position after, you know, it had a terrible 2023. Have a look at it and let me know what you think. Now, Superdry crashed to 25p and it ended the week at about 16p. Sky News put out a report saying that it's called in accountants PwC, my old firm who I trained with, to, quote, review debt options, unquote. But as one of my friends who's also a former CFO of a fashion retailer said, what options have they got? They're already uh, almost in the last chance saloon with lenders uh, Hilco and Bantry Bay, which are non-conventional lenders. So we don't really understand what debt options they've got. Um, and the market cap's down to about 12, 13, 14 million now. So, it, I mean, it's barely even an equity stub. I mean, the market's clearly betting now that the equity in Superdry is probably toast, which is something we've been saying for a while in the small cap value reports. Um, I'm sorry to say, I think, you know, you look, it's one of those situations where if, if Dunkerton does pull something out of the hat, existing equity could, uh, could, could multi-bag. But I just think that's so unlikely now. Um, I think more likely is some sort of convertible loans, if they can get any loan fundraising away, uh, or just massive and or massive dilution. So I, I think existing equity is super dry. I wouldn't touch it just purely now for gamblers, I think. But we've got results next week. And, you know, if they announce another IP sale or something, it's one of those ones where it's not inconceivable that it could suddenly double or triple as a trade. I mean, that's what Thomas Cook did just shortly before it went bust. So, you know, I'm not making any predictions about Superdry. I just think the risk is too high. We don't know what will actually happen, but it looks heavily loaded towards existing equity probably turning out to be worthless, in my opinion. Now, I looked at the trading update from Audio Boom, which was yesterday, Monday. Uh, I don't think much of this one, I'm afraid. So I've marked that red, and I explain all my reasoning for that. 
um, is burning through a lot of cash because they made a huge mistake with a loss-making contract that's bleeding cash until 2025. Now, they've made a provision for it, but there's still... So it doesn't hit the P&L anymore. It did in H1, big time. It was a heavy loss. So I think when you see the full-year results in Audio Boom, they'll look grim. I, you know, it's doubled in the, in the autumn rally. I think people are sensible who are banking their profits there. It's just not a very good company. I quite like Keller. Amber Green, I am on that one. 622 million. That put out a trading update on Monday. Uh, ahead of expectations. Very low PE and a 5% yield. Um, I, I've said here, I think Keller looks quite interesting. KLR. Can't remember what they do now. But anyway, Graham looked at 888. This is super high risk, I think, um, because of the massive debt. Uh, it's a mild profit warning as well. Um, Graham's got amber red on it. He holds some personally, which is very strange. But uh, there we are. Um, what else? James Cropper. Oh dear, this was in, this was a really bad profit warning. CRPR. This James Cropper, long established family business from the 1800s. It was set up. Uh, it dropped 34 percent to five pound thirty, but I'm, it's carried on dropping because it's very illiquid, tightly held. So anybody who wants to sell can't really if it's a sizable position. The profit warning was an absolute howler. This was really bad. Basically, they just suddenly announced that pretty much all the profits for March 2024 have disappeared due to delays and customer destocking. This is the um, paper. It does paper and advanced technological materials. And it seems to have bet heavily on um, hydrogen, I think. Um, and these um, these hydrogen projects have all been deferred by several years. So it's not like it's just a glitch. This basically pushes the upside out a long way. So really, I think James Cropper are right back to square one. I can't see any reason to start buying that for a turnaround because I think you'll just have a, a, an overhang of selling in that for a long time now. Unfortunately, pity about that. I always thought James Cropper was a fairly decent quality business, but based on the latest forecasts, it's only just above break-even. doesn't look really a very good quality business after all. So I think they've got a lot of sorting out to do there, so there's no rush anticipating a, a turnaround in my view. Churchill China, Graham looked at CHH. He's got amber red on it, which I think is a bit harsh. It was an inline trading update, but the outlook was, was quite poor. So I think that's what he's flagging there. But we're not saying there's anything wrong with its, um, you know, with its fundamental solvency or anything like that, just to, just to confirm that. But he's saying here it's highly rated, but performance doesn't seem to be going anywhere fast. Churchill China has always looked too pricey for what it is, I think. But I mean, it's a nice quality business, but it's not th that nice to attract such a premium P rating as it has done, in, in our opinion. Right, that was the stuff we wrote full sections on. But the agenda, we've got loads of other things that we've just noted what the announcement is and if it's in line and so on. So I'll quickly run through them. Craneware, CRW. Now, I had a look at that last night, funnily enough. 690 million health, US healthcare software provider. The chart is rising nicely. Um, it put out an inline H1 trading update. Revenue and EBITDA are up 8%. Adjusted EPS and only really flat up 3%. But it's on a PE of 25, so you could look at Kramer and think it's awfully expensive for a business that doesn't really seem to be delivering a lot of growth. Very little net cash as well. But the Outlook comments are interesting. It says growth is accelerating and it's, in, it's uh, forecasting a return to double-digit growth in the near term, was the phrase. So uh, that could be uh, worth a look. And, you know, US-based software business for healthcare 
somebody could bid for it, couldn't they, at a high price. So Craneware, moderately interesting. Ipstock, IBST, this is the brick and other building materials maker. I had a quick look at that again last night. In line with expectations. It says markets are subdued. Forecasts have been reduced a lot. The forward P is 15 times, which, you know, doesn't really appeal to me for uh, something making basic products like this. But there is a 4.7% yield. Uh, it's cut costs. It says pricing is stable on bricks, so that's good. But the revenues are down 21%. So at some point, this will be nice for a, for a recovery in house building. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm... Mm, I think I think I think maybe recovery is already priced in with Ibstock. Accentra put out an inline update uh, that had a positive outlook for 2024. So that ESNT that might be worth a look. Um, we didn't cover Midwich that put out a trading update, record performance, but the outlook was challenging and it dropped six percent. I think that sells audiovisual equipment to distributor Midwich M I D W. One of the readers did ask me to look at it, so sorry we did we just we didn't have time. There's so many companies reporting. Lion Trust trading statement we didn't look at that. Wincanton put out a Q3 trading update which was in line. We like Wincanton, we're green on that, and of course it attracted a takeover bid on Friday at a 50% premium. So well done to anyone holding that. I don't currently hold it, but it was on my top 20 list for 2023. So that's given my thing a boost there brooks mcdonald put out it looks like a fund manager put out an h1 trading update which was in line galliford try we should have looked at this we didn't have time gfrd that put out a positive trading update i think they said they're five percent ahead revenues and profits um gately the legal services thing put out interims but um, it dropped 10% because the, the outlook for H2 was cautious. I don't tend to go near these listed legal firms. What else? Gulf Marine Services. Uh, guidance was, was revived, re revised up. GMS. Sorry I didn't get around to looking at that. We've covered it extensively in the past, and it's done very, very well. Um, but I, I took my eye off the ball, unfortunately. I haven't been updating for a while which is a pity because we were covering it when it was about 4 or 5p originally and it's now 15p. So I hope some of you have, have done uh, picked up on that a few years back. Mulberry, we uh, trading update, we ignored that because of the low free, free float. It's dominated by two huge shareholders, Mulberry is the handbags thing. Um, <clears throat> a concurrent, I wish we'd had a look at that, CNC. So take a look at concurrent. It was slightly ahead, the trading update. Um couple of other ones. I didn't go around to looking at Port Merion. Uh, that was in line, but and it expects growth in 2024. But again, apparently they have again slipped out reduced forecasts through the broker that weren't referred to in the trading update. That is so bad. It's about the second or third time Port Merion's done it. So it's really messing up its investor communications. And I just don't trust the management anymore if that's what they're doing. So, and then Mission Group, TMG, this is the financially distressed marketing group, put out an inline update. And I think they said debt has come down a fair bit as well with Mission. But I'm, uh, I wanted a lot cheaper than 25p, personally, if I was going to take a risk on that. So, OK, that is everything for Wednesday. Right, Thursday, uh, 18th of January. I think this was our busiest day ever. We had 27 companies on the to-do list. Now, bear in mind, we aim to cover about five. <laughs> You can see, uh, so what, but, get, but again, I put up the agenda with them all on there and then flagged the ones that were in line, which was actually most of them. Most companies are issuing in-line updates at the moment. A few are ahead, a few are warning on profits, but the general theme at the moment is very much 
in line with expectations updates. So we don't tend to cover them unless there's a, a, something exceptional. So um, uh, we also did two backlog companies. So let me run through the things we did look at. Uh, we looked at uh, Next Tech and NXQ. This is the new name for oh, Densitron, it used to be called. Um, it does uh, t- bespoke touch screens interfaces and user interfaces of, of, of a conventional kind uh, comfortably ahead trading update yeah so that rose 12 percent to one pound 23 so because it was comfortably ahead i did a a, 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 a a deeper dive on that one and cavendish have raised their uh, forecasts for 2023 by eight percent and strong margins more than offset emiss on revenues uh, i've said here the balance sheet's fantastic groaning with net cash and the pe is low so I think this looks good, uh, Next Tech NXQ. Have a look at that and let me know what you think. Uh, I've said here, I think risk reward looks quite good there. Although it's not expected to grow in 2024, but it does have five month visibility on the order book. So I think that one's quite good, NXQ. Zotfoam's one of my favourites. I uh, ZTF, which I do hold personally, um, uh, that rose five percent on a positive update. Profits five percent ahead of uh, expectations for December twenty twenty three year end. Uh, now the interesting thing about this one is that the losses on its Blue Scruck Sky project, the fully recyclable drinks carton called Resource with a Z, that is the losses on that more than doubled up to about four million. So if you adjust that out, underlying profit up actually grew about twenty percent. Anyway, I explain it all quite thoroughly in Thursday's report, the eighteenth of Jan. So have a look at that. I think it's good, or it could be good. But they've announced a ten million expansion capex program as well, which they can fund from internal um, cash and debt. So I like soap phones. Bango Graham looked out quite a nasty profit warning here, down thirty percent. Uh, missed is twenty twenty three EBITDA estimate by a long distance. Mostly due to customer launch timing issues, Graham's saying, and 2024 estimates are also lower. Uh, Graham says he likes the products, but the investment case may have some holes in it. Um, I've never really looked into it (coughs) properly myself, Bangor, I'm afraid. So anyway, Graham's amber on it overall, and then we put the black profit warning flag on it on the colour coding system. Frontier Developments, Graham had a look at. He's amber-red on that. God, these, I tell you what, you look at the chart on some of these smaller listed computer games company. It's been an absolute wipeout. The whole sector, look at Tiny Build, look at Frontier. Disastrous floats um, in around 2021. Anyway, the interim results came out. They're in line. Um, Graham... um, Graham says it's it, it's high risk now, um, but I think he's he's trying to. I think he might have a, a slightly positive leaning towards it. But he says, look, uh, because of the risk, he's got to flag it amber red. Uh, so thanks to Graham for sticking to our color coding system, because he went a bit rogue on it for a little while. <laughs> but I've dragged him back into the into the cab, so that's good. Uh, National World, I looked at NWOR. This is the reincarnation of Johnston Press without any debt or pension deficits. Quite interesting trading update. Now, it said it was ahead of expectations, but that's not true. If you look at the Cavendish note, I think it was Cavendish or was it WH Island, it was in line with expectations. So I think National World need to issue a correction, although it said ahead of expectation, 
Well, whose expectation? It doesn't say, does it? So, I mean, you know, as I've said in my sort of tongue-in-cheek commentary, maybe the cleaner was more optimistic about, uh, more pessimistic about the year, and they've beaten her, his or her expectations. You know, it's ambiguous wording, poor communications, and I think it's just a misleading update, so I don't like it. But I can see why some people do like National World. They've spent most of the cash, though. The argument this time last year, when it was higher price, was, oh, half the market cap's cash. Well, they've spent that on acquisitions. They're trying to, to diversify. They're trying to build something out of... You know, a declining structural business. Um, very experienced management, though. So anyway, look, if that floats your boat, have a look at it. Graham did a... a, a I'm not madly keen, but I'm not negative either. I'm just amber on it. So I can see some positives, some negatives. Headlam, Graham looked at. H-E-A-D. I like this one on a valuation basis, although it's not performing terribly well. The floor coverings distributor. Uh it's put out a pre-close update, which was in line. Um, Graham's not impressed. I did add my own little quick comment after his comment, saying um, the, it's the balance sheet that supports the valuation. It owns loads of freeholds, and the share price is now about 10% below net tangible asset value. So it could attract a financial buyer, I think, Headlam. Um, I think there's little doubt that, likewise, uh, set up and run by its um, Headlam's former CEO, must be eating a slice of, its, slice of its lunch. It must be. Because the revenues are having to come from somewhere, aren't they? Right, I've put in an additional section in the Small Cap Value Reports now called Mid-Morning Movers. This is companies with news where the price has moved a lot. It could be something like director buys or it could be anything but that we're not covering in the main section. Anyway, there were five of them. Ceres Power Holdings, CWR. This is a huge blue sky project. It's got tons of cash in the bank. Um, and it's losing money hand over fist, but it do, does something, I think, to, to do with hydrogen fuel cells. Anyway, it rose 44%, uh, which took the market cap up to $420 million on a licence that was signed with Delta, which I looked up, a $23 billion market cap company Delta is, so highly credible. Uh, $43 million revenues for Ceres on this licensing deal, half in 2024, and future royalties on any sales by Delta. So this looks a very significant announcement for Ceres Power. It seems to validate the tech, um, and I think that one looks quite interesting, although I noticed that <coughs> it's not really my kind of thing because it's blue sky, but um, it, and it started drifting the following day. This is the trouble, you know, a big spike up. People are going to sell into it, aren't they, the stale bulls? Now, um, uh, uh, a, a bombshell here for shareholders of watches of Switzerland, WOSG. That dropped 27%, down to $1.03 billion. These are the fancy watches, you know, Rolex and all that nonsense. Why people buy those things, I have no idea. But anyway, they do. Status symbols, I suppose. I think it's utterly ridiculous. But, you know, that's what people do, isn't it? Uh, anyway, it said weaker demand, especially in the UK, has triggered a profit warning. And some of the readers were discussing this and saying there's also question marks over the relationships with the brands and what access to the most uh, premium watches this this the retailers can actually get so um, but anyway bad luck to hold us that one you can't avoid profit warnings um you know we all get hit by them every now and again and it's a horrible sinking feeling isn't it so but you know i'm sorry about that the, the WOSG shareholders have taken a, a nasty hit on that one. I don't really have any particular view on it. It's only within my morning movers section. Smart metering system uh, put out an inline trading update 
and it switched to a recommended takeover offer. I think the the bid might have gone up 50p because it rose 6% to £9.50. So um, that was an interesting one, as I say, right in the middle of a takeover situation. Um, now, Interseed, which I hold, it's one of my favourite shares, that rose 4%. Actually, it was more by the end of the day, about 6%. Uh, only a small director buy of about 20 grand in money, not shares. Actually, it's pretty similar because the shares price is just over a pound. It was actually the husband of a non-executive director who bought. Now, it's not a significant size, but I think any uh, Ned buying is actually quite useful because they're not doing it for show, usually, in my view. They're doing it, you know, it's not, if, a, if a CEO or a CFO buys 20 grand of the shares on the day or the day after a profit warning, you ignore it, don't you? Because that's done for show, for PR reasons. But if a Ned, just out of the blue, buys 20 grand's worth, and it's an inaugural stake as well, I think that's actually uh, quite interesting. And it did trigger a wave of copycat buying in the market, which took the shares up about 6%. Just shows how illiquid Interseed shares are. You know, it, it rockets on good news. And I think the news flow on Interseed, is really, Interseed has been really, really good for the last three or four months. So I'm glad, I'm happy to be back on board with that one. I've been bullish on it for about five years. And it's it was a slow burner, but it's getting there now, I think, into seed. Uh, and Naked Wines rose 9% on an inline peak trading period update. It's cutting more costs. The usual bullish talk from uh, Rowan Gormley. I just, I, I just don't think it's a very good business, uh, judging from the performance. Anyway, other things that we didn't look at. Dunelm, I liked the inline trading update for H1. It's guiding full year profit at 202 million. Very nice uh, retail business, Dunelm is operating from the big sheds, doing high margin homewares. Lovely business. Uh, Alpha Group uh, missed its revenue target when it's trading update. Elementus, these are in descending size order in my agenda where I note everything and, and even if we don't comment on it. Elementus, uh, slightly ahead. ELM, that's 691 million. Young and Co. The Brewery put out an inline trading Q3 update. Marshall's Building Products trading update was inline. Judges Scientific, uh, David Cicero's marvellous buy and build thing, um, major, major multi bagger, that was inline trading. WAG Payments, WPS, 610 million market cap, that's also inline. Back of all, I've meant, um, I'll come on to Curry's I did uh, on Friday. Uh, Care Group I did on Friday. Restore put out an inline trading update. This document storage thing. Franchise brand was in line. That's 304 million market cap. Uh, MNC Saatchi was in line. Trading update. I like that one. I think it's interesting. Uh, what else? Having Trans was in line. Uh, quite a good management there, I think. Interesting uh, uh, sort of... Um, it's almost like a mini... Not venture capitalist. almost like a mini private equity business. It buys up other businesses develops them and then sells them on, having trans. Quite interesting, AVG. Pebble Group, PEBB, that was in line. M Brown, we don't like, um, profit in line. 80 million market cap trading at a fraction to its net tangible asset value. It just feels like something's not right there. Um, Centaur Media, the trading update, this is only 65 million market cap, was unclear. Um, revenues were down, but margins were up. Didn't really explicitly say... Uh, if you're not going to tell us if you're in line or not with market expectations, it's not it's not a bloody trading update, is it? It's just a PR release. What else? Um, Get Busy put out um, uh, a trading update, little minnow software thing. Um, revenue in line, profit slightly ahead. Um, I don't really have a strong opinion on any of these. 
get gear for music was in line. That's okay. Very low margin though, but it's it may be on an improving trend there because they're going for margin rather than volume, which makes sense. Uh, XP Factory, I, I quite like. That put out a very strong December and confirms market expectations for March 24. Um, I'm right in the middle of... I've almost finished actually doing a write-up on that last night. So my only... Uh, I like it is Experiential Leisure. Um, very rapid expansion into new sites that are getting good deals on. But it doesn't actually make any profit before tax. It's already well quoting EBITDA, but I'm... I'm puzzled as to why it is not profitable, because it has reached a reasonable scale now, XP Factory. I think the central costs are too high. The works, only 70 million market cap, dropped 10% on an interim results and Christmas trading update. I don't see anything uh, worth reporting on there. That's in line. And finally, Robinson, um, the packaging products company, 16 million, put out a trading update that was in line too. Uh, but quite nice outlook, I, I noticed on that one. So loads and loads and loads of in line updates there. And that was that was Thursday, 18th of January's report. If you do spot anything that we haven't noticed in those trading updates that's encouraging or worrying, do let us know in the reader comments because particularly when it's this busy, it's very much a team sport. We're all working together to the readers and the writers trying to find the best opportunities. So we really love your your comments, obviously when they're constructive and courteous. Thank you. Thank you for them. We've got some we've got some brilliant subscribers, honestly. Uh, some people say, you know, the, the the reader comments are more useful than the than the reports, which is frankly rude but you know <laughs> people like to take a little pot shot at me you know i've got broad shoulders i've had it for over 20 years it happens doesn't really bother me god it's been a crazy busy week the workload did ease off a bit on friday as it usually does fridays are quite slow which i i, I write the report on my own graham has fridays off so there were only i think seven companies reporting i looked at deliveroo 2.2 billion that's R-O-O. Uh, it said slightly ahead on trading, but I've looked back at the numbers and it's a serial heavy loss maker, but it's very unusual. It's got an absolutely massive cash pile of nearly, I think, nearly a billion pounds in cash getting on for half the market cap, but it's actually returning some of that surplus cash to um, shareholders and it always quotes EBITDA um, but it hasn't you know the, there were no statutory profits as far as I'm aware so I'm, I'm, I'm sceptical about that but the big cash pile means <clears throat> you know it can probably um, you've got Just Eat haven't you the other big f- uh, food delivery uh, 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 network so I don't know on, on delivery um, no strong view either way. Now, I looked at... Oh, no, what, what didn't I look at? Oh, Wynn Canton. Here we are. Recommended offer at £4.50. 52% premium. W-I-N. Well done to holders. We really like Wynn Canton. We've been green on it for ages. So um, I'm very pleased to see that offer come through. I haven't read the terms of the offer, but I believe it's from a trade buyer in France, a logistics company. It's a very nice, decent quality business, Wynn Canton is. It's a pity, in a way, it's been whip, whipped away from shareholders, because they've just finished fully funding the pension scheme so the cash flows are about to really improve but it's the usual case isn't it you know you probably get a 50% gain on it over the next year or two if you held but somebody's offering you that 50% gain now up front in cash on a plate <clears throat> with no issues for larger holders about liquidity so I think for that reason it's a fair offer and you should probably accept if you're um or you can just sell in the market can't you 
Focus right. I sorry, I didn't get around to looking at the uh, inline update from that one. I think the outlook might have been a bit wobbly on Focus right, but I'll I'll try and circle back to that one. Uh, what else? DFS. I didn't cover that was in line, but again, I need to double check that character group was in line as well. So what did we cover? Okay, uh, back of all, this was it. That was that put. Um, out a slightly ahead trading update, upper end of range. This is the Ready Meals company, mainly in the UK. It's got US and Chinese operations that are poorly performing, smaller, but they do seem to be turning the corner. So anyway, I run through the, the negatives, which is mainly its weak balance sheet. It's got far too much debt. It's paying out too much in divvies, so I wouldn't rely on this 7.6% dividend yield because it can't really afford it. I can't get excited about it, but I do think there's also potential upside if it can improve the Chinese and the US operations and get back to its previous margins that it achieved pre-pandemic. So there might be something there. Uh, Kia Group we like. I've looked at the trading update here. That's doubled in the last year. Um, I was green on Kia Group, K-I-E. This is a huge contracting business, low margins, of course. But I've, 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 I've scaled back a bit to amber green because the share price has gone up so much. You know, at some point, people want to bank profits and you've had your sort of trading upside. It's a hopeless business long term. Look at the long term track record of Kia. It's disastrous. But they do seem to have straightened it out in the short term. Um, as I say, I've moderated my view because the shares have doubled. You know, shares are for selling as well as buying. Now, Curry's, this is another one where I've actually been pleasantly surprised. C-U-R-Y. I thought this was pretty high risk. Um, but the trading update, and then when Mark's Electrical, MRK, a smaller challenger online competitor, when they warned on profits recently, saying consumers are being very cost con- price conscious and the margins were reducing, I thought, oh, it's a slam dunk then that Curry's and AO World are warned on profits. Well, they haven't. Curry's has actually said it's ahead of expectations, only very slightly, but it's guided, it's raised its guidance a little for, uh, what would that be? I, I'm assuming it's December... 2023. There are still negatives, though. Very weak balance sheet uh, with with heavily negative net tangible asset value at Curry's. The whole business is funded by the trade suppliers. So, you know, you could have risk there potentially. But selling off its Greek business, that's pending, which will eliminate bank debt. So, and actually, I can see potential upside on this. Now, the CEO was on Sky and he, he was asked about the Red Sea. Uh, disruption to shipping from the Houthis firing rockets and drones at shipping and it being rerouted around Africa. He said it's introduced delays of between one to two weeks on some products, he says, but the customers won't notice it. And he said we've been dealing with massive supply chain problems for four years. So he said we know how to handle it. He also said being the biggest in the market, Curry's is in the fr- at the front of the queue for supplies when they are limited. So I thought those were very interesting points. So, so far, it doesn't appear to be the case that the Red Sea shipping interruption is likely to have that much impact as things stand currently, of course, could change. Now, the, my favourite share of the day for Friday was for Imprint, F-O-U-R, the promotional products company mainly in, the, in America. It was £46.35 a share, and I flagged this just before 8am I published this uh, positive review of a slightly ahead trading update. The brokers, two of them, have raised forecasts for earnings by between 7 and 8%. You did have a window of opportunity, actually, in the first uh, half hour of trading to grab some at a fairly favourable price. And then it really started to motor from about half eight onwards going up. 
I think it peaked at about up 16%, which is overshot a bit, and then it settled at about 11 to 12% up. It's such a good business for imprinters, and the valuation still looks quite reasonable, given that this is uh, one of the best-performing long-term UK shares. Would you believe it's 50-bagged, 5-0, 50 50-bagged over 15 years. Uh, and it looked expensive all the way up, so there's a lesson there, isn't there, for value investors? Sometimes we should just pay up. Uh, now, profit warning of the day was Big Technologies, B-I-G. This is the tagging company. Um, it spiked down to about 76p. And I think some of the readers were thinking, said earlier, they were thinking of trading it at that level because of the big cash pile. I, it, I've obviously marked it black as a profit warning. It's lost a big contract, which apparently was only renewing on a short-term basis each year. Well, it's finally looked as if that big contract in Colombia is ending. Well, surely that should have been disclosed previously. It should have been in the IPO document, shouldn't it? So I think a lot of us are asking questions about, well, where has this material risk, where has it been disclosed before? It might have been, don't get me wrong. But I haven't heard anyone say, oh, yes, you know, they told us this a year or two ago. So I think if they haven't disclosed that a contract was hanging by a thread, that's quite serious, actually. Um, But anyway, 2023 trading for big technologies is fine. Very high margin business. Um... But it announces this imminent loss of a large contract in Colombia, so the 2024 numbers are hit, and Zeus reduces the forecast by about a quarter. Um, I've actually crunched the numbers, and I think it looks quite interesting now at around a pound a share. So um, that's uh, big technologies. Uh, have I covered these? Back of all, upper end of range. I think I've already mentioned that one. Um so, yeah, sorry, I've covered these, haven't I, Kia Group? Yeah, right, let's go back up to the list at the top and see what we didn't cover. Um, hang on, I'm getting muddled up here. And Let's press pause. No, I covered everything. That's it for the week. So an absolutely vast amount of shares. I can't can't believe how many I've got through in 53 minutes, but I'll leave it there. I might do a, I might do a, 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 sec, a part two. I might not. I haven't decided yet. The sun's just coming out. It's my last day in Gozo. So I've got a mountain bike on hire, so I might just go for a cycle ride instead. It's definitely going to be an e-bike next time. Oh, my giddy aunt. Yesterday, I cycled up the road from Marcel Form to Victoria. It's basically about three kilometres, and it's a hill all the way goes up 180 metres. Nearly bloody killed me. But, you know, it's good to it's good to get some exercise, isn't it? So it might have to be an e-bike next time. Anyway, look, I'm, I'm rambling now, so I'll sign off. I hope you're not, you're not getting too flustered about the uh, market pullbacks at the moment. Um, it's, it's the way markets work. You get a big rise, then you get some profit-taking. So best not to get too stressed about it. All right, then, um, I'll sign off for that. Uh, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. And um, uh, bye for now. Bye.